is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. I am inevitable. And what what is that from? You what, well, okay. I want to know still what is it from. You'll know. I'll explain it to you after the show. <laughs> That's going to take that much, huh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Anyway, welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans that see you guys, by the fans that's us. Like always, intro and outro music provided by Park and Main. You can find them at parkandmainband.com. Make sure to follow us or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Sosa's J Paul. Dervish World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. You can find Fanning the Flames and our Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network brethren, the Suns Report on brightsideofthesun.com and all podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. Okay. This episode, we're going to look forward here to the rest of the season. Home stretch. Home stretch. 27 games left. We're going to share our thoughts, discuss where we think the Suns are going to find themselves at the end of the year in terms of total wins, and also run through most of the guys on the roster and identify one thing, two things, zero things, whatever the case might be, in terms of what we expect or want to see out of those players individually for the remainder of the season. And we kind of touched on that a little bit a couple episodes, but we really just did it more generally. So we'll get in a little more nitty-gritty detail with that. It's kind of crazy to me how late into the season the All-Star game is. Right. Since we treat it as like the halfway... It's the halfway point of the season. Right. No, it's like almost the the two-third point. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, 27 games, what, 55 played? So just past two-thirds. Yeah. In fact, that reminds me, didn't we miss the... We did. The Rodney Rogers Award or whatever the hell it's going to be? (laughs) Next week. Anyway, okay. So diving into win totals for the rest of the year, uh, as you pointed out to me before we started recording, Paul, Gina Mizell had written an article recently about the updated win totals that um, certain Vegas odds makers are making for teams after the All-Star break. The Suns, prior to the season, their win total was set at the over-under, that is, at 29.5. For those of you who don't understand, 30 is over, 29 would be under. Hence the half. Hence. 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 Now the updated win total for the Suns is 32.5. So, we have 27 games left. The Suns have 22 wins. That means 11 wins puts you over, 10 wins puts you under. Let's start off. Good math there. Thank you. On the fly. On the fly. Let's start off by answering generally. Paul, do you think the Suns are going to hit the over or hit the under? I think they're going to just barely hit the over. Like it's, it's kind of scary how accurate that that over under is. Once I when I looked at the uh, remaining games on the schedule, maybe you should just be an odds maker, Paul. No, we'll, we'll have no, to see. you don't want me doing. And that. and and you say it's I bankrupt Vegas. And you say it's scary how accurate the over under is, but we don't know the result yet. No, so to, well to my own prognostication. Fair with enough. It, like I just. 
I went through and I'm like, okay, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, loss, whatever. Added it all up. I was at 11. There you go. Okay. And and I'll say I'm at 13 because a wise, a wise man once <laughs> told me life's too short to bet the under. So always bet the over. All right. So you're at thir- uh, excuse me 11 I'm at 13 we ran through these schedules before we started recording and identified the games that we saw the Suns winning here for the rest of the year now we <laughs> and and perhaps this is harking back to the whole accuracy or at least perceived predictability of what you think the Suns are going to do when you look at that updated win total and we both agreed on wins against the Bulls, the Pistons, winning one of two against the Blazers, the Warriors, winning one of two against the Mavs, the Wolves, the Wizards, the Cavs, twice, um, the Bulls, again, and then the Wolves, again, uh, towards the end of the season. Where we differ, and where I have my additional two, come with the Thunder and final game of the season, the Lakers. Okay. Okay. Now, I guess because of how I frame this, it makes sense for me to explain why I think they'll win those two games, yes? Sure. We'll start there. And maybe you can tell me why I'm wrong. All right. Start with the Thunder. Okay. I look back at the last game that the Suns played against the Thunder, and that, that's kind of a benchmark, if you will, for me. In that game, uh, they led going into the fourth quarter by two, got outscored by six, ended up losing that game by four. They played competitively based on my recollection and based on me looking back at the box score. Uh, and the Thunder were with their full complement of players. In that game, we didn't have Baines, and that was also a game where Saric only played about four minutes, uh, and, and I candidly don't remember if that was by design, but my presumption is he got injured in that game uh, because he ended up not playing games subsequent to that that look at that logic look at that so i i think that based on a situation where the suns didn't have their full complement of players the thunder did hung with them you know some of that tiredness some of the wearing down uh some of the fatigue that we addressed discussed last episode I think would have come into play there. And hopefully we go into that game with our full complement of, right. of, of players available. And I think that would push us over the, the hump and, and allow us to win that game against the Thunder. Uh, and now that game, I believe, is in OKC. So that certainly comes into play because the game that I'm referencing was in Phoenix. But I'm not going to change my position because of that. Okay. Lakers. The Lakers is maybe a little bit more simple of an explanation. It's the last game of the year. It's in Phoenix. At that point, the Lakers are going to know, I think, where they are in the playoff seeding. Uh, In all likelihood, they'll still be holding that number one seed because as of right now, they're four games up. And I expect that the Lakers won't exactly be playing for much. We could be looking at a situation where James, AD are either not playing or playing limited minutes. On top of that, if the Suns <laughs> get to that point and have that 12 wins that I think they would have, or 
around that 12 wins, I think there is going to be a lot of desire from the team. And not to say that they don't want to win every game, but a little bit more oomph, a little more reason for them to go out there and finish the season on a high note. Right. And whether the Lakers have LeBron playing, have AD playing, whether we're talking about one of those Lakers teams in the past that were just god-awful, it doesn't matter. Beating the Lakers at home in the last game of the season is going out on a high note. I can, I can agree with that. So I I know we both had a lot of the same um, picks just because for the most part we went down the list is like, okay, this team's better than us, we're going to lose. This team's worse than us, we're going to win. That's that's how we did it. That's and the this is not how it's going to work out. We know this. Right. We're probably going to lose to some of these teams we think are we're better than. Sure. And we're probably going to steal a game from one of these teams that we think is better than us or multiple maybe. If you had to pick of one of those teams that you didn't okay, is it, if you had to pick a game that you had picked that for us to win, mm-hmm. that is a that you think the Suns could lay an egg on, and I I want to caveat this and say we're gonna take out the games against teams that are actually above five hundred that we picked. Okay, there's a lot of rules you're laying out here. Well, Paul. I'm just saying like, okay, if we taking out like saying like, oh, we're not gonna beat the Mavericks, or. Well, that's really I think the only one either of us picked. So, so you, you you want me to identify a game that I think the Suns they, are going to win that they could that they could lose or vice versa both. or both. Okay, both. Okay. So, like of the teams that are we pegged we pegged as losses, your best guess that this is the game that they're actually going to steal, and vice versa of the games we pegged as wins. Your best guess of this is the this is the game that we're gonna lay an egg. Okay, well let's let's start again. Me being the optimistic one, I'll start with a flip flop in the positive direction, saying I thought they would lose this game initially, but I could see them stealing it or or winning it. Maybe not even stealing it per se. Um, let's see. Looking at the list, I would say. I'll say the Utah Jazz. Okay. I can I can I can it's, definitely see that. It's in Utah and and maybe part of it me part of it is just hey, you know what piss off Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I, that that could be the entire reasoning but you know I I No, okay, that's it. That that really is the reasoning. I I have nothing else to add besides that. But I'll try. No. I I think that that's a game where, you know, as much as it's out there the whole Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker thing it's it's quieted down some, but at the same time, Donovan Mitchell made the all-star team without having to be a replacement this year. Devin Booker obviously made the all-star team as a replacement. I think that's the type of thing that, you know, and, and we've talked about this before, Devin Booker kind of being a guy who's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I, I think that's certainly a game where he might, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, get up a little bit more because of that matchup. Uh, at the same time, I don't know this offhand, but I'm looking back. Let's see here. The earlier game against Utah this year, we uh-huh. didn't have DeAndre Ayton. Right. Um, and obviously, 
that was well. Do we we have we played Utah more than once already? We've only played them once. We oh, lost. We're only we, playing we, them three times. This we year? lost to them by one, the fourth game of the season, uh, in Phoenix, and again, that's a game where you don't have Aiton, and that's going to create issues when you have a guy like Rudy Gobert on the other side. A little bit. And even when you have that game, and and we did have both. Um, Sarich and Baines available, I believe. Yes, we did. Uh, that nonetheless still creates an issue because those guys aren't to the level of athleticism that Aiton is, and and Gobert, Gobert is kind of as much as he, as much as he got flack for being in that All Star game. Mm. He's he's a solid player, and he's he long lanky. To be in that oh, absolutely. Game. I mean, he, he's long lanky. That's and, just people who don't understand defense, and and can give guys like. You know Baines and Sarich, um, you know some some headaches. Yeah. I think. I mean, he's not the funnest guy to have in an All Star game. Right. He's not like a highlight machine, which is what I think what people want. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, he did, did he not make the All Star game last year, but made the All NBA team, kind of like Dragic did that one year. Um, I don't know. I don't know that, but maybe, mm. but maybe. Um, and I mean, you look at I'm looking back at the box score from that Utah game earlier in the year. Uh. Again, Baines, Sarge, and and Frank all played. Um, Baines played played well, twelve points, um, but only grabbed three rebounds, and um, only one for three from three point range, minus five, plus minus. Sarge was one for two in twenty minutes, only had four points, minus three. Frank Kaminsky was three for eleven uh, in that game, although he did grab eight rebounds. But I think that speaks to the difficulties that you have on the inside when you're going up against a guy like Rudy Gobert because of right. his defensive ability. Um, and, you know, Gobert in that game had 15 points, got to the free throw line 12 times, and had 18 rebounds. Jesus. So you look at what DeAndre Ayton brings, not only physically in terms of athleticism, quickness, what have you, the ability to kind of hang with Gobert, excuse me, in that regard, but also you look at the improved defense that we've seen out of DeAndre Ayton this year, and I think that that certainly will help eliminate a situation where, you know, Gobert is going for 15 and 18 in a game. And and again, all of that being said, the Suns only lost that game by one point. So I, I right. think that's the one game where we could possibly get a, a win out of a situation where I wouldn't expect necessarily to get that win. What about you, Paul? I've actually got a couple. Oh, Oh, you know, do it because I, you know, I was the more conservative one when it came to like picks for wins. So now in the, in the imaginary world we're developing, you want to be more optimistic? No, I just, I think I've, I've got a couple thoughts. Okay. Um, I think the Suns could steal one from the Bucks. They swept them last year. I, I think Aiton has the skills to make... Giannis uncomfortable. I can't stop him, but he can make it difficult, as he proved last year. Um, and I think he he kind of relishes in that challenge. So I think we could potentially steal him from the Bucks. You know, if we catch him on the right, you know, I don't know the Bucks schedule. Like if the Suns are a back to back or or what. Um, you know, if things break right, I think we could get the Bucks. I think. Um, oh, I think the Suns could beat the Seventy Sixers. Okay. I think I think the 76ers are even though they're 34 and 21 um they 
they're just kind of dysfunctional. You know, they've got a very weird team with, like, the three bigs and really no, like, backcourt mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think they put their – if they haven't already, they're looking to move Al Horford to the bench, which will be interesting since they paid him $110 million. Right. Um, so I can see that dysfunction continuing and Suns being able to sneak in and steal one. Um, and, and, and back to your Bucks point in terms of the schedule, the Suns game against the Bucks is sandwiched in between the Bucks playing the Lakers and the Nuggets. And it's the Nuggets are on the second half of back to back with the Suns being the first half. Okay. So I, I think that could certainly set up for a situation where they're looking past the Suns to the Nuggets. Yeah, which are they're, a good they're recovering from a game against the Lakers, although they have a day in between. Yeah. And then they're looking past the Suns to a game against the Nuggets, like you said. And, and following that game against the Nuggets, they play the Celtics. So they're yeah. going through a tough stretch with the Suns kind of thrown in there. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see uh, stealing a game from the Jazz. Um, like you said, all the same reasons. Um, but yeah, that's... And possibly the Pacers. I think the Suns maybe want a little bit of revenge on the last one. Because, you know, they were really depleted. And What what I'm hearing is you think the Suns are going to win 15 games now instead. No, I'm saying there's I a know, potential one they can steal. Because now... Because I'm going to follow this up with, like, these are the ones I can lose. Right. So, okay, so let's let's flip that script then and, and go that route. Which which one could the Suns potentially lose, although we would expect them to win? And do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first this time. Good, because I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think that the Suns could definitely... I mean, the two where I said they could split... Obviously, those are like they could lose to the Trailblazers and the Mavericks, sure, pretty easily. Um, I think the Suns could lose to the Timberwolves, if not this first game, po- the the first game in uh, mid March, possibly the one in April. Just from the standpoint of that, has given enough time for the the Russell Towns tandem to kind of coalesce Mm -hmm. and you know kind of start to find their groove so they may surprise the suns a little bit near the end of the season um so i think that could definitely be a a loss um the warriors game could surprisingly be a loss because i mean you know the warriors play the suns really competitive and um that game uh is going to be on the second night of a back-to-back and they are both home so that that's helpful, but they're playing the Pistons on Friday and the Warriors on on Saturday. You know, the granted the Pistons now don't have Reggie Jackson or Andre Drummond, and Blake Griffin's out for the rest of the season. So I don't even know what is that? Derrick Rose is, and um, uh, Luke Kennard are the team now. If Luke Kennard's playing, if Luke Kennard's even playing now, yet so. Um, I, I could I could see the Suns, you know, maybe laying an egg there. Okay. Um, you know, from from my perspective, I it's tough because I never like to say that the Suns are gonna lose to a team they should beat, but you know, I'll look I'll look right up here this weekend and and look at Chicago. Uh Chicago has not been playing well. <laughs> um 
they do have 19 wins on the year, but they have lost their last six in a row. Um, and at the same time, the Suns are going to be coming into Chicago on a back-to-back. Uh, so they're playing at Toronto Friday, then in Chicago on Saturday. Uh, they're coming right off the All-Star break, so I can certainly see perhaps there being some let down, if you will, um, with not only having to be on the second night of a back-to-back, but the second night of a back-to-back that's on the other side of the country, right? Uh, at least south to north, the other yeah. side of the country, <laughs> and, and very far across the country, uh, west to east. Now, I said I still think the Suns will win, but if I gun to my head, I had to pick one of those games that I think the Suns will win that they could let slip through their fingers... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say that Bulls game, but if they don't lose that game, then go ahead and just book it 13 wins the rest of the year. As far as I'm concerned, maybe even 14 undefeated. or maybe 15 undefeated. Maybe, maybe they'll go 22 and five. Who knows? Time will tell and we'll find out in the next couple of months. So let's, let's take a quick break and we'll get to talking about what we want to see out of specific players for the rest of this 2019-2020 NBA season. So let's go ahead and run through most of the Suns roster, not all of it, and point out with each guy a thing or two that we want to see out of them for the rest of the year. Let's start with Devin Booker, and I'll let you go first, Paul. Don't get injured. (laughs) Okay. I I mean... is there really anything else we can ask Booker to do? Can't we say don't get injured about pretty much everyone? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I see your point. It's, it's hard to say do more. For me, though, along those lines, it would be continue to do what you're doing in terms of efficiency, in terms of playing within yourself, et cetera, et cetera. And, and at the same time, a lot of that, I think, stems from what the rest of the team is doing. Right, right. Um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I want Booker to improve on this aspect, this aspect, this aspect in the next 27 games. Honestly, one thing I'd probably like to see from him is take more threes. Hmm? You know, I mean, he, he's still shooting at a pretty decent clip. Um, I, I, is he still up? He's in the, still in the upper 30s, I believe, percentage-wise. And he clearly can shoot them well, seeing as he came in second place on a essentially a buzzer-beater shot in the three-point contest. Yeah, and he's, he's shooting just a touch under 36% still on this season. Yeah, I mean, I know he had a hot start and he fell off a little bit, but, I mean, he, start, he started to come back around a little bit, and I'd like to see that, that number of threes tick up just, just slightly. And, and, he, and, and that's a good point because I'm looking at his stats right now, and his, his three-point attempts per game are, are down somewhat significantly from the past couple of years. I mean, he's taken 5.4 per game this year. Last year he was at 6.5. The year before he was at 7.1. It's his lowest rate, or at least his lowest number of attempts per game since his second year when he took 5.2 per game. Right. So I certainly wouldn't object uh, to that as long as it you know, is, is within what is being created in the, in the offense. Um, and that's something that, sure, nobody's going to complain about if Devin Booker is taking more shots, especially the way he's been 
you know, doing it this season with, with the efficiency that he, he has been, um, you know, long-term, obviously he's going to continue to grow his game, I think, and work at his game. Like we've talked about before, he's a grinder. So we're going to see those improvements, but looking at the next 27 games, I think saying, Hey, uptick that three point, uh, attempts per game is certainly something that isn't unreasonable to ask for. Um, next on the list, Kelly Oubre. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll say, I want Kelly Oubre to continue playing with his controlled intensity that he seemed to show this year. Uh, I, I, I think back in particular to an earlier podcast, uh, this season when, when we had Adam Spinella on and he pointed out how Kelly Oubre has adjusted the way he closes out on, on shooters. Right. He doesn't run at them as wildly as he used to. He runs at them still, but comes in controlled. So he's not picking up these dumb fouls that that he's been you know known to do in the past. Uh, Kelly Oubre, like we said before, is really the heart and soul of this team. So you don't want him to adjust too much of what he's doing. You want him to bring that intensity, but at the same time, you want it to be reined in in a way that it's not just this kind of wild man approach that we saw you know time on and off last year. Another thing I'd like to see him do is pass the ball a little bit more. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was definitely going to say um, kind of try to avoid the get out of the tunnel vision mode of like once he kind of gets the ball, once he's got a head of steam, you know there's only one thing that's going to happen there. Um, just, you know, take a quick peek around, see if there's potentially a better shot. Just because we traded TJ Warren to make – the monetary avail the money available to re-sign you, Kelly, doesn't mean you need to take over TJ Warren's black hole attitude. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. DA, DeAndre Ayton, next on the list. Paul? Consistent aggression. There are the, there are those games where he's he's clearly aggressive. He's like he's, you know, showing his strength down low. He's taking it to the hole, getting guys in foul trouble, getting to the line, things like that. And then he has those games where he's like, no, I'm going to shoot tonight. And he's just kind of taking that like little step back, um, you know, little jumper that he likes to take. And not that it's not a good shot to have in your arsenal, but that shouldn't be your go-to. Right. That should be your bailout. Yeah, and I think the, the example that comes to mind when... I think about this, you know, aggression that people want to see out of out of DeAndre is that Dallas game um, where he scored 31 points and grabbed nine rebounds, went 13 for 15 from the field. I mean, he dominated them inside in that exactly. game. And that's the game where the Suns won by 29 against the Mavericks in Dallas. Uh, so I can certainly see that as being something that uh, you would want to see, folks would want to see, and, and I certainly want to see that as well. My easy answer is go ahead and shoot the threes, big man. <laughs> Let him fly. Um, but I'll, I'll go in a different direction. Uh, and and this is along the lines of what you're getting at, more specifically to that, that, that jumper. I, I am with you. I don't want him to get rid of that. James Jones said in an interview a few weeks ago that what they kind of want to see out of DeAndre when it comes to his attacking the rim or getting more post scores versus that jumper is kind of an 80-20 split. Right. I, I, I looked at those numbers shortly after he said that, and between last year and this year, 
he's more in like the 70 30 60 40 type range yeah so i don't think it's unreasonable to say hey da cut back on the 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 settling for the jumpers a little bit leave them there because the ability to hit that is certainly going to allow that the 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 lane to open up yeah yeah, they they have to you have to keep the defender honest um so they're not just going to sag off you but at the same time use the fact that you can hit that shot to allow yourself other opportunities that perhaps would be better scoring opportunities. All right, Ricky Rubio. I want I want I want our Ricky Rubio from earlier in the year back, man. That's what I want. He's been struggling. You know, after after his wife had their their first child, his first came back he played like gangbusters. <laughs> um and after that it it's kind of been hit or miss and a lot of miss with him. Yeah. And and, and maybe maybe what it boils down to is dude and I'm assuming he has this, but hey Get a nanny. Get two. Do something. I get it. It's your first kid, but hey, you'll have you have eighteen years of that Sleep kid in a hotel. living in your house, man. Eighteen <laughs> years of that kid in your house. Sleep you'll in get a hotel, to spend plenty of time. Visit him during the day. Exactly. Be an uncle for four months. Yeah, dude. It's all good. It's all good. He or she? I don't know. Does he have a boy or a girl? I I think it's a I think boy. It's a, I was gonna say I think it's a girl. So, whatever the sex is, they will understand it. They will understand you having the nanny there to take care of them a little bit more um and obviously i don't know if that's the case but regardless paul um i yeah i i agree with that pretty much that's really he's been inconsistent and i think that's kind of been a bit of a hallmark for his career a little bit but i think there's a he can get to a level of consistency that is acceptable Mm -hmm. and i'd like to Honestly, the one the one that surprises me is how much his assists have gone down. Right, like that's kind of that's the concern. Like, I mean, the shot's the shot, and if he scores, he scores. We didn't we didn't sign him to be a scorer. We right. signed signed him to run the show, and it seems like Booker's been doing that more than he has. And then that, if you take that away from Rubio, he what does he have? Right, exactly. And I mean, to that point, you look at, you know, December, we'll start there. He averaged 10.6 assists per game. January, only 7.7. And in the six games in February, 7.3. Um, and at the same time, I don't have the turnover per game numbers here, but, you know, December turnovers were 42 in 14 games. January was 38. So while that's lower, when you're taking into account the fact that he's also slashing his assists, that doesn't exactly um, you know help the situation. And through just six games in February, he already has 44 turnovers. So, um, yeah, and that actually might be a lower clip than January and December. Not good, that good at math. But anyway, I, I see where you're coming from in that regard. All right, Mikhail Bridges, Paul. He's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> just stay perfect. Just stay perfect. Well, I mean, actually, honestly, the, the thing that like everybody had concerns about, like in like the first part of the season, was his his shot wasn't falling. I'm sorry, that answer was perfect. I loved it. <laughs> He's doing great. Go on, sorry. But sorry. so his shot wasn't falling, but the shots started to come around, and if that keeps up, you know, mix that with. He's he's become a little bit of a rim runner, which is which is a nice little surprise, uh, you know, like ba- backdoor cuts and things like that. Um, and then the defense, you know, there's a reason he finally took. I mean, injuries may have kind of forced 
the issue, but there's a reason he's kept that starting spot. Right, absolutely. And again, to, to your point, uh, October, November, his three-point percentage was 14.3 and 23.8, respectively. December, 40.7. January, 31.6. Took a bit of a dip, but February in seven games, 46.2. When we drafted him, we heard three and D. D's been there. The three is now coming there. Absolutely keep that. For me... And the surprising assists. The surprising assists. For me, I want him to stop doing something. I want him to stop trying to posterize people all the time. Because he <laughs> has never successfully done it. And, and he always makes these attempts that I just feel like are completely outlandish. Like, even if a defender wasn't there, he might not be able to make that dunk. So, dude, use your finesse. Embrace your finesse. <laughs> he 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 has a, his his ability to score from inside the arc is certainly nothing to scoff at. He can do it. So why he has this tendency to get wide eyed and decide that he's going to put somebody on a poster? I, I don't know why. And, and and I think it certainly can and and should stop or at least cut back a little bit. Maybe more selective. A little bit. All right. Dario Saric. Oh, I, let you go first. I don't know. I, 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 he's been injured for... It ha, has it been, how long has it been? He, he's only been out for like seven games or so. He hasn't missed that much time. I guess, I guess here's the thing that I'll say with Dario. He's been playing well enough this year. I mean, he, 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 he's, he, he's the his, most underrated guy on the team. His, his three-point shooting leaves some to be desired based on where he's been in the past. I mean, last year he shot... 38%. This year, he's only shooting 31.5%. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't want him to stop. I'd love, I, I guess I would love for him to improve that three-point shooting. But maybe a more general answer is be in the lineup and don't make me sit there and think, gosh, I wish Dario would stop doing that. Right. <laughs> he's, he's a guy that brings some level of consistency and again, like you said, I think his contributions to the team are underrated. And if he keeps doing what he's doing and gets a little bit of an uptick in that three-point shooting, hmm, fantastic. Then we, we got the guy that we were hoping we were going to get this year. You? Um, yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. I mean, he's, like I said, he's probably one of the most underrated players on the team just because he contributes in ways that don't show up on the box score as well. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the box score, you're like, oh, he's underperforming. But he kind of, he, he does he does a lot of the little things, it, it seems like, during the game. So I just, I hope he can get a consistent, get back to having a consistent spot in the rotation, honestly. Because, like, it's kind of bounced around a little bit. He was a starter, and then, the, then he went from the starter to being straight out of the rotation to... Like I think he he deserves a spot in the rota- like a steady spot in the rotation, probably off the obviously off the bench. Um so that that's kinda what I'd just like to see out of him is kinda get steady enough that he gets steady time. Yeah, and and you know, to to the point just to wrap up with Daria, the point about him kind of being underrated, I mean, look no further than what we talked about last episode, and that is what the team does when you know he's available along with Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton. They're right. they're they're at least winning percentage wise, albeit a smaller sample size. 
are leaps and bounds above where they are as a whole this season. So right. regardless of what you're seeing in the box score, the contribution that he brings uh, is is there, and I just want to see that be on the floor. Uh, speaking of being on the floor, Aaron Baines, Paul, you go. Um, I'd let I just I want his three point percentage to tick back up. I mean, he was he was on fire, like NBA Jam on fire, um, for that first like month or so, and then he got injured and he came back and he was the opposite of on fire, and like as far opposite as you can get. Cold. I see. Cold. He'd turned. He had turned into lava rock. He was shooting rocks, shooting bricks. Yep. 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 Um. And again, I have to harp on stats constantly here. But October, November, Baines from three point range, forty two point one percent, forty four point seven percent, respectively. Uh, and that's you know over a total stretch of twelve games that he played in. But still, those numbers are those numbers. December and January, because of course he hasn't played in February yet. Um, Twenty-eight point two and twenty percent. So yeah, I'm 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 with you there. I'm with you there. And and for me, I, I just want to see the guy on the court. I think he brings a strong defensive presence. I mean, if anything, a toughness that can be useful to guys like DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Uh, and whether they're in the game together or not, I'm and I'm not thinking that Baines doesn't communicate, doesn't talk to him, doesn't you know, give him feedback even when he's not playing. But at the same time, seeing that physicality and that toughness is something different for a young guy like DeAndre and then just hearing Baines, uh, you know, chat about it when he's not able to suit up. Next on the list, Cam Johnson. Um, I, I said this a couple episodes ago, and this is perhaps something that's more out of Cam Johnson's hands than in it, but I want to see Cam get more minutes. Yeah, I mean, he had the injury, so he kind of fell out of the rotation for a little bit. But I mean, he uh, he's he came back, and he he's not afraid to shoot. I mean, he hasn't been shooting well since he's back from injury, but you know, it's going to come around once he um, just kind of gets his legs under him and whatnot. Right, and and kind of going back to what we talked about last episode with those three front court guys playing together, I, I had run that type of analysis, adding Cam Johnson as a fourth guy into that, and. When you look at Aiton, Baines, Sarge, and Johnson, they've only played in nine games together. They've only been available in nine games together this year. And and when they have all played, the team is five and four. I thought you said it was twelve. No, that was without Cam Johnson. Oh, without Cam yeah, Johnson. Yeah, I was just saying I added Cam in that same analysis. Oh, okay. And they they've only been in nine games together. And again, that team in those nine games, five and four. So again, not as by a couple games, not as not as positive i guess you can say as just those three but at the same time a better tick than what we've been seeing the suns play uh at as a whole here this year all right running down just a few more let's go uh let's go ty jerome paul um i'd actually rather just talk about all three point guards at once let's do that so ty jerome elia kobo javon carter when paul says all three point guards we mean the three point guards not named ricky rubio right and honestly, to me, it just comes down to I want. And honestly, this may be more on Monty than on them themselves. Is can we just pick one and go with it? Like that's the guy. Like constantly, like shuffling around. Who's which guy gets to play this game? Doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I know there were injury issues and there were, you know, needs for various things at various times. And, like, you know, Jerome was out for a little bit. Um, Okobo's probably been the most consistent, but he's also... He's consistent in the way of he's not great at anything. He's just... Whereas... Um, Carter's much better on D, but the offense and the um, running the show isn't there as much. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerome probably has more of the running of the show, but hasn't really developed the scoring yet and doesn't have the body type to really provide the defense. And, you know, one of the things, too, with Jerome, it's it's been... Jerome's missed more than just a few games. Right, I mean, yeah. I, I think he has, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but I believe he has the most games missed due to injury on the team this year. Um, so health is certainly one thing for, for him. I think also when it comes to looking at it from the perspective of saying, hey, pick one and run with it, I think it can be difficult because when you have three guys like that that all have... And and I'll I'll include Jerome in there, even though his his sample size is limited. But they they really bring different things to the right. table. I mean, I it's going it. to depend it's... on on what type of situation um, you know you're you're looking at uh, as far as Monty Williams goes. I mean, if you need somebody that can come into the game and lock down a point guard, you're going to go with Javon Carter. Uh, like you said, if you need somebody to come into the game and kind of give you more of a traditional type of point guard perspective point guard play mash them all together mash them all together it'd be beautiful um because like honestly because like we've been talking about it particularly and particularly during the um streak of injuries like the biggest issue that our bench has right now is it doesn't have scores Mm -hmm. it doesn't have that guy who like okay we need a bucket i can get you a bucket it doesn't have jamal crawford Right, right. Not that I want Jamal Crawford on our team because he takes kind of, particularly at his age, takes more off the table than he puts on. But um, I, I would love to have Jamal Crawford on this team. I mean, <laughs> I just would. I mean, I, I, I think he, put, he would put more on the table because that guy, that guy can still score. I mean, he showed it last season. Right. I mean, because we, we've got guys who can score, we just don't have guys who can create. Right create shots, whether it's for themselves or for other people. I mean, Baines and, and Saric are both, they're shooters, but they need to get the ball to them in their spots. Same thing with Cam. Cam, I mean, Cam's the shooter. I mean, he dunked once, but... But it was a great dunk. <laughs> he, he, he's pretty much a shooter. So then when you got, you're filling out the... We don't have a shooting guard. I guess the closest thing's a Kobo. You're talking about... Off the bench. Off the bench, yeah. We don't have a shooting guard. That's why we wanted Luke Kennard. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, and again, I think those guys, we're going to see, we're going to continue to see that situational play. And, and, you know, Carter and Kobo both played in the last more than handful of games since going back to early Jan or mid January, they've both played in pretty much every game except for one game where Ellie didn't play, um, at the end of January against OKC. Uh, so I think we're seeing that you're going to, you're going to see those two guys being the ones that go out there. And I think a lot of it will depend too on how the season goes. If 
Uh, maybe not. I mean, the Suns aren't exactly in a position where they can say, okay, well, this season's getting away from us. Let's see what Ty Jerome can do as opposed to, you know, Okobo or Carter. Um, but at the same time, they, they kind of have to decide, you know, at, at some point, who's going to be the player or players that are really going to be part of the long-term plan for this team because realistically I don't think all three of those guys can be it so perhaps when we're looking at it from the perspective of those three we want to see one or two of them at least really start to stand out and say hey I'm part of this team moving forward whether it's going to be you know as a backup point guard or in a more reserve role but I still have the ability to contribute in a manner that is going to be beneficial to the squad all right we could say Jalen LeCue, too, but I don't know. I mean, it, I just want to see him dunk a few times. That's really it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing with Jalen LeCue is if we're seeing extended minutes of him, that means, that, honestly, I think that means the season went sideways. Yeah, possibly. Somebody got hurt. We don't want to talk yeah. about that, though. So, nope. all right. Well, any final thoughts here, Paul, before we wrap up this episode? Um, just looking forward to having basketball back. That's honestly, like, the biggest thing I – don't like about the all-star break is it's a break yeah it's like we have like two or three days before the all-star festivities start and then that four days four days after yeah well three days because there are games on thursday but the sun's yeah because i mean that there's no sports on tv i, I i'm, I'm that, that, that 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 time frame too concerns me because all that is getting ingrained further and further into my brain is that fourth quarter from the All-Star game, and I'm worried that basketball's ruined for me now. And I can't <laughs> watch normal games, but... Maybe they should make all games that way. I'm sure we'll pass. <laughs> well... We institute the Kobe rule that... <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even so much the, the Elam rule or Kobe rule, as you just referred to it, but uh, more so the level of play from everybody on the court. Um, but at any rate, I'm sure... After about three minutes of watching the Suns again, I will be right back to where I normally am. So, okay. As you all know, I'm on Twitter. I am. Are you? So says Jay, Paul. I'm a dervish of world. The pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Make sure you hit up brightsideofthesun.com. Make sure you hit up your various podcast platforms and subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I am Iron Man. Just want to hear you say-